Well, welcome everybody. Can you, how is everybody doing after lunch? I like to call this the coma session. Everybody, uh, so we, if you don't, um, if you if you um, happen to feel a little tired, I give you permission just to stand up and just start doing something because uh, I've been at some of these uh, meetings before where we've done a, a vision casting meeting and it's lunch and they serve pasta and I've had people in the front row taking a nap. I'm like, wow, that's pretty awesome. So. <laughs> But anyhow, welcome to uh, Strategically Engaging Your Community, Best Practices to Engage Your Community. My name is Jason Bachman, and I'm looking forward to putting all of this together with you guys. Um, I believe that God wants every one of us to engage our community in a way that honors Him. How many of you believe that? Yes, that's right. So I have a couple of introductions here. Um, first of all, I have uh, my colleague and Vice President Ron Showers. He, may, uh, he was handing out the... Uh, packets to you earlier. He may uh, randomly say things, so you know it's just a good thing that as we have interaction and stuff. Uh, he, he and I have worked together for 10 years on these topics, talking about a community engagement, reaching your community. And then back there, Jack Reisner, you probably saw him uh, at the booth. If you haven't, go over there and pick up all the kind bars and the stickers, because he doesn't want to mail back the kind bars. So if you still need some snacks, he's the man to look for. So um, where? At the booth, at the booth, yes, right in, the, right in that main way. So, yes, you'll see the kind stickers next to the kind bars. So you see there's a theme there with our Convoy of Hope deal. So um, I, run, I work with our community events team. I don't know if, how many of you have ever been involved with a Convoy of Hope community event? All right, a few people. How many of you, this is your first experience with Convoy of Hope? All right, cool. Well, uh, we come from the community events team. We have a lot of other uh, areas that we do at, at Convoy of Hope, such as children's feeding, agriculture, women's empowerment. I've worked with our community events team for the last decade, and what we're doing is we go to different areas of the community to bring goods and services. We bring a day of hope. We bring an opportunity for guests to connect to um, the things that the groceries, and we bring shoes, and, and then we work with local communities to have the uh, opportunity to bring haircuts, community services, health services. So it's really a combination of, of all of that. I've had the unique opportunity from going to coast to coast and border to border across the country over the last decade. And I think there's one thing that I've found, which is amazing, is that when churches reach out to their community through these events, through these catalytic moments, it can change their DNA, which is pretty powerful, isn't it? You know, if you think about just doing church as normal, church as usual, oh, that for after a little while, it gets a little boring, right? It's like, God, what do you have for us? What do you want to do through us? What do you want uh, more to happen? My personal experience, my wife and I coordinated a Convoy of Hope event in Phoenix. That was before we came to Convoy of Hope. Ron was actually our director. And I tell people what happened in this process of leading up to an event in February was we got to meet people we never knew existed that loved our city the way we did. I got to meet people that I never knew were even in the city that had the same idea and passion for the city. And uh, by doing that, it ruined, you, ruined me for the ordinary. Because that's the thing that God wants to do is ruin us for the ordinary and engage in our community. Because the reality is, is a lot of us, you know, our cities are too big for one church, right? Our cities are too big for 10 churches. We need the whole church to come together and, and gather their opportunities for reaching the city. So um, just for your reference, Convoy of Hope, we've been around since 1994. We're going to be celebrating 30 years next year. Uh, we've reached uh, serving over 200 million people. Um, you know, Convoy of Hope started with a question. Our president had the opportunity to interview Mother Teresa while he was a journalist. And usually as a journalist, you're supposed to be asking the questions about, you know, certain things. But she turned the tables on him midway through the interview and asked him, what are you doing to serve the poor and suffering? And Hal said, well, I couldn't lie, so I had to tell her the truth. I was doing nothing. 
That didn't mean God wasn't working on his heart because God was working on his heart. It just took a question to make that, okay, we need to do something. So from that question, Hal then took a ten, uh, eight city tour, 10 city tour. Um, his brothers started Convoy of Hope in the back of a pickup truck, bringing groceries. So, so I don't know where you're at this day, but maybe God has a question for you about what he wants you to do in your community. Maybe God has a seed of something that he's putting in your heart to do. So never discount the questions. The small beginnings, because you never know what God's going to do through that. So, well, today we've got a few things we're going to do. To, just talking about some of the contents. You got a, you probably got a packet. If you did not, if you, if you're with somebody in your team or you're with somebody in your church, um, if you can share, great. If not, uh, I did load this up into the sched. Schedule. I don't even know how to pronounce it because it's S-C-H-E-D, which is like, I don't know how to pronounce what it's supposed to say. But you know what I'm talking about. If you need to download that, you can do that. That there are opportunities you can take notes to as well because there are some spots when we get to this point where you're going to be able to say, what is my plan? What can I do? What are some of the steps that I can do to engage my community? So these are the things. We're going to talk about how God sees the city. We're going to get a little nerdy and talk a little bit about city mapping, some tools that are going to be available for you to use as you look at your city. Uh, we're going to talk about the compassion strategy. This is where you can start thinking, okay, do we have a compassion strategy for reaching our community? If not, can we get one? If we do, can we even do it better? So those would be some things you'll get a chance to look at. Engagement ideas. We have a list of some outreach engagement ideas. I don't know if you were in the neighborly uh, workshop, but he talked about doing outreaches and doing the, you know, the events and talking about how can they play a part. We're going to go in a little bit deeper in, into that as well because every piece of this process has a part to play, doesn't it? So engagement ideas, we'll talk through that. Just building a culture of compassion. What does that look like to build a culture of compassion within your church, your organization, your personal ministry? Um, then we're looking at key objectives, kind of at the end, kind of a summary of what do I need to do to engage with my community? And then the, if we have some time, talk through, we got a, we have opportunities to talk through what would a block party look like. So it's some, just some things we've got uh, resources for you and so forth. First thing is, how do, what, where, where do we start? How many of you, well, I should ask you this. How many of you live in a big city or a medium-sized city? Small city. Okay, and I, did, I went really fast, but how many of you are in a big city? A few people. Okay. If you've ever been, and my background, I, I, just for quick reference, I grew up in North Dakota, so there weren't many cities around there. But, um, and then how God has a sense of humor. He calls me to urban ministries after growing up on a farm. Hey, figure God can use a donkey. He can use a farm boy in the city. So that's up to him to do whatever he wants to do. That's up to him. So, but when I've gone around into the local cities and, and when I've been introduced to cities, sometimes um, a group like the local coordinator, local pastors will start telling me like the history of the city. And they'll say, you know, this cer certain city, uh, right now we're just in a, you know, we're kind of number one in crime or we're, we're, you know, the number four most dangerous city and this and that. And, and I mean, we can start thinking that. And sometimes you can describe that for rival cities. You know, they are like that because, ugh, you know. Um, but the thought is, why do we introduce our cities like that? Like, if you were to introduce a family member, would you introduce them? So Uncle Bob, hey, he's all right. But I tell you what, he just, you know, he has bad breath. So don't stand too close to him. Or uh, there are other unflattering characteristics about what does this look like? We would never introduce a family member like that, right? So I want to think about how can we change the, the, the thought of how, God, how does God see our city? We, we come from Springfield, Missouri. Um, you know, there's some, some unflattering statistics that have emerged as of late up in our, you know, in our north area, education, crime. I mean, yeah, but how does God see this city? 
And I like this verse, and you have it in there. It's in Isaiah. But it just talks about, it's, it's kind of a, it's a prophetic verse. It's a, it's a now verse. But it really talks about what is, how does God see the city. And I got this verse from, if you ever want to read a book by Ray Bakke, uh, Theology Big Enough for a City. It's pretty powerful because he goes from the, from the beginning of the word to the end of the word. And he talks about how valuable cities are. And so for me, studying cities is the main thing. But I want to put, uh, draw your attention to the, to, the, um, to the bold, where it talks about, They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity. You think about some of the main problems in, if you want to call it poverty issues, housing insecurity food insecurity, joblessness, and lack of parenting. Children are running without vision. So how does God see the city? He doesn't see it in its devastation. He sees it in its potential. He sees it with the opportunity. He sees it with the opportunity of the church engaging with the community and bringing that influence so that God can show himself strong in this. Now, some city is going to need a little bit more work, right? I should say all cities are because they're full of humans, right? We're just, you know, we need to do all the work that we can and God can do these things through us. But when we look at our cities, how can we see them as God sees them? We'll go into a little bit of, a little bit of mapping. I want to talk as we, as we go through this is, um, you know, when I go into a, a local community, I'm a stranger in the community. I don't know the city. Maybe sometimes I've been there before. Other times it's my first time. So what I do before we even get started is I, I use this tool called OpportunityAtlas.com, and it is something anyone can use. You can look it up, you can use it, but it gives you poverty demographics. Because again, when we're looking to do a community event in a city, we're looking at, okay, where are the poverty areas of a city? Where are the poverty places? Because that helps us determine where an event site should be. It helps us determine, okay, what do we need to be doing as far as marketing in certain communities? But as you can see up here, this is the United States. So the redder it is, the more it hurts. If you want to call it that. The redder it is, the more it hurts. So, you know, you go to your doctor. I don't know. As you get older, well, even younger, whatever, you can say, well, hey, this is where it hurts in my body. Someday you might get to the point that there's, there's, there's a little spot on my leg, and that's the only place that doesn't hurt. You know, uh, that's just the way it goes sometimes. But sometimes in these cities, that's exactly how it looks. This right here is actually Columbus. I did a little uh, heat map, and I was just curious because I'm like, well, if we're going to be in Columbus, what does this look like? And, you know, these are the areas that we call in, a little bit more of the hurting areas. But you can see it's bordering sometimes bordering the areas that are not hurting at all. And this is just poverty income demographics. If you go deep dive into it, you can talk. I mean, it goes into a lot more other things because it's based on census data. So it could be single moms, graduation rates, all these things. So it's a tool that's available for you. But what area is your church located? So when I asked about big cities, small cities, little cities, what area, just somebody, where is your church located? Are you in a hurting area or not? Okay. Who else? What else? What's, go ahead. Okay. And which area are you in? Are you in a herding or not a herding or a border or? Okay. Yep. Who's in a, go ahead. Mm -hmm. Would anybody say you're in kind of a not herding area? Okay. We got a few. And so the rest of you, what are you, maybe middle herding? Like, hey, my, only my knee hurts. You know, the rest of you are like, yeah, my whole body hurts. Okay, yeah, so you can see we have a diversity of where our churches are located. So with that in mind, how would you approach ministry areas 
a ministry in the hurting areas. And some of you who are in it were like, well, we're approaching it every day. But as a church who is not in a hurting area, how have you approached it? What is it? Okay. Gone to it. Okay, that's one. Yep. Any anybody else? Go ahead. Good. So we've gone to the areas. We've partnered with churches in the areas. Anything else? Those are two very awesome pillars, by the way. I mean, really, that's pretty, pretty good. So those of you who are in the hurting areas, how have you worked with churches outside of your area? Any comments? Okay, so you've got that partnership. Cool, cool. So you can see there's kind of a thing that there is a possibility of the churches addressing some of these issues, aren't there? It's not insurmountable, is it? I mean, it's big. Problems are big. Poverty's big. Next, next workshop, talk a little bit. Going to talk through that too. Um, but the idea is, how do we strategically look at this? You know, we got to understand where are the hurts for one thing, but then we also got to think about we, if we base all of our ministry on the needs, we're going to exhaust ourselves. We're going to exhaust ourselves. You know, I talked about doing outreach events, and I'll talk a little bit about that too. But if we only did outreach events, how many volunteers do you have left? <laughs> right? I mean, you, do, you can do a great catalytic moment, but if you do that every week, oh, pretty soon the volunteers are like, I'm out, I'm tired. Not that their hearts aren't in it. Our hearts are still in it. But what if we took it from an assets-based approach? Like, what's God, what has God given us to do? Who have we partnered with? When we talk about church partnership, that is powerful. We talk about collaborating with community agencies and church partnership. That's powerful. So maybe the next question is, is how could you partner with churches? One thing, we've got to figure out how does this look? How does this work? How can we work together? But then there's another thing. If you took Google, Google Maps and how could you partner with other nonprofits located in your areas? I mean, again, this is just elementary. I did, uh, I think I did nonprofits in the same Google Map area and just, it comes up. Well, sometimes you don't know what's in your city, do you? Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. I mean, it's kind of like that, the resident um, syndrome. Like when you live somewhere, do you go to the, to the tourist place? <laughs> I mean, living in Arizona, do you go to the Grand Canyon? Ah, I know it's there, <laughs> right? If you, go to, if, you go to, if you live in St. Louis, do you go to the Arch? I don't know. It's just there. You just assume stuff are there. So maybe when we look at our cities, as we see them as God sees them, the potential that he has for every city, and then we start thinking through, okay, where are the hurting areas in our city? That's the easiest places to start doing something, right? But if we did the same amount of energy for finding the hurting areas as we did for the gathering of assets, how could that change how you do ministry? It could be pretty something, couldn't it? It could be pretty amazing. Because when everybody does something, it's like the canoeing illustration. Who's gone canoeing before? All right. A few people. Have you ever canoed with a bunch of other people in the same canoe? Okay, how effective is it if everybody just canoes on their own paddle length? Not very, is it? It's annoying because you get splashed in the back. And, and usually some people are trying to work harder than others, right? They're just paddling and you're like, stop. But if you all paddle in a rhythm, and in a rhythm, first of all, you don't get tired. Second of all, you go faster. Third is smoother. And fourth, you like everybody at the end of it. So, you know, that's a good thing, right? 
So those are things as you're looking through, what does this look like for us to really map out a city and, and see what God has for the city? Those are some things that we want to talk about. But I do want to make reference to just the direction. Now, as we kind of go through this, from we're mapping, from the ideas, if we do not have a direction for the focus of strategic engagement and the ministry engagement, this is where things can get a little frustrating. Because when we think, okay, we want to do something like a food pantry, don't we know? Hunger will never cease, will it? If we want to do something that is a backpack outreach, well, guess what? School comes every year, right? If we want to do something that is, um, you know, anything output related, you'll never have enough to fill just the ongoing need, right? But if we have a direction on what we are doing and why we are doing it, it can give us a more strategic approach. So I want to go through some of these definitions. And this is from uh, the book, When Helping Hurts. If you've had a chance to read it, you're probably familiar with these things. This is how we focus. Man, if we can do these things, we can move forward. Um, Because, you know, when you first start something in relief base, which is urgent and temporary provision, it's emergency provision. Now, Convoy of Hope, we kind of see our disaster team as, man, we are totally relief-based. You know, when we respond to a disaster within the states, I've been on two of our responses, one in Louisiana last year from Hurricane Ida, uh, one from Florida. We come in there, but we have an exit plan in place. First of all, we're not going to be there forever. We probably are going to be there for about six strong weeks in phase one, which is distribution and it's relief. It's helping people get back to, I should say, it's immediately addressing this urgent need. That's happening because, again, hunger doesn't go away. That doesn't mean that we stop feeding people or stop giving out water. Jesus said, if you give a glass of water in my name, it's a good thing. At the same time, we got to understand that there's also moves to a phase of rehabilitation where we seek to restore people to their community and their communities to the positive elements of their pre-crisis conditions. So relief, urgent and temporary provision, rehabilitation. We want to restore to back to where they were. So that's kind of where we see even our community events kind of falling into both categories because we do have a relief element. We're bringing groceries. We're bringing shoes. uh, But we also are having a rehabilitation element where we've got community agencies, job and career services. We're actually doing this in Fort Myers this year. So Fort Myers, Florida, we we responded last year to the Hurricane Ian. Um, And then this coming fall, we're in the talks and we're actually in progress of doing a community event with the same groups of people. We're saying, hey, how can we continue to serve this community? So we've got these two things. You'll see a lot of where our outreach ideas or engagement ideas kind of fall into these two things. Then the other thing is community development or empowerment. So the definition for that one is a process of ongoing change that moves all the people involved, both the helpers and the helped, closer to being in right relationship with God, self, others, and the rest of creation. How many of you know this is the hard part? This is the hard part. It's the relational thing where it is difficult. It is tough to track sometimes. It's we're working with humans. We all have our days and our moments. But this is the powerful piece of it. These are the places. So if you can think through, how can I then begin to transform what I do into a process that leads towards community development? community empowerment or personal empowerment. That will help you as you start thinking through how we engage. Now, I'm going through some of these things, um, but the engagement ideas, as we talk through, um, you look at your your, uh, list, engagement ideas, and I kind of want to go through some of these 
and just take a poll or just maybe we'll do a raise of hands. But for the first one, providing coats, shoes, and clothing for children, how many of you think that would be relief? Okay. All right. How many think it might be rehabilitation? Remember, for providing shoes, coats, what if they don't have shoes? That's a pretty urgent need, isn't it? Yep. What if they have shoes, but they need new shoes? Could almost be rehabilitation, right, in a way. So you're doing some things, but primarily you're looking at this probably falls in the relief because, again, we have to replenish. We have to replenish, don't we? What about hosting a job fair for people? Would you think that would be relief? Not as much, right? How about rehabilitation? How about empowerment? That would be a good one, wouldn't it? Because now you're starting to take the idea of what if a person is not job ready for this job, but you help them get job ready. That is an increase, isn't it? That's an empowerment because jobs are a huge thing for personal dignity, value, all that sort of stuff. What about provide a meeting space for supervised foster care visits? Empowerment? Maybe it's rehabilitation? Maybe a little bit of both? Thinking of it through? It wouldn't be relief necessarily. I mean, maybe it could be because it's an emergency situation. So can you see how some of these things apply? If you start thinking through, instead of just thinking, well, if we just did something in the name of compassion, I mean, that is super great. But what if we started thinking, we call it intelligent compassion, saying, well, how can we best think through these things? This might help us as we begin to strategically engage. So what about offering literacy classes? Relief? Probably not. Rehabilitation? Maybe. Maybe more development? Yep, yep. How about a clean up a block day? That could maybe be a little bit more relief. Maybe some rehabilitation. Could almost be community development. It would almost be like, because if you had a, a, a block that was once thriving with businesses, and then things, things shut down, but you started with a, with a relief day of cleaning that up, and then you started bringing in, hey, what could we do to build in businesses to this? Could be some rehabilitation. Um, and then as you continue to build that, I mean, you, you can see where there's a lot of this that falls into a couple of different categories. So I want you to think about, just for a second, as you're doing compassion ministry, you're doing engagement ideas, what are some of the things that you could apply these definitions to? Like I mentioned, we heard about groceries. So, okay, could you, could you incorporate a piece of rehabilitation, community development, Meaning, maybe you're, with your grocery distribution, you're combining a community services. You're adding someone who is from the community. Remember, we're talking about collaboration. That's a lot of how we do our little formula, even at our Convoy of Hope events. We have groceries there. That's not the main thing. That is a hook. It's the last thing people are going to receive. They're also going to receive prayer. What if you provided prayer at your grocery distribution? What if you did a, what if you did a job fair and opened up your church, your app, your um, community center, whatever that looks like, and said, what if we invited a few agencies to come in? What if we marketed and say, hey, we're going to just try and help people uh, make a difference in their community? It is, it's not a complicated formula, but it is kind of a difficult formula because it takes relationships, right? It takes the aspect of building relationships. So those are some things, engagement ideas, as we talk through, uh, looking through your city. Um, just want to talk through as well, what are we looking at here? Engagement ideas. This is where you're going to t start looking at your culture. You're building a compassion plan. So this is the, um, the thoughts. When you're talking through, let me just turn here. I want to talk through the compassion options because that is on your, on your uh, handout. If you don't have a handout, you can look over somebody's shoulder. Well, what are some compassion options that you could start to uh, build a compassion culture of compassion? On my plan, 
this is where you can start filling some things out. Now, if you put, I don't know, that's perfectly fine. What if you have a plan though? What if you start putting a plan together today where you said, hey, I can take a next step as we leave this conference. I can begin building a relationship. And we're going to talk through some of these things. But first of all, the compassion op options was if you're a pastor and you're leading a church, maybe your first step is doing a sermon-based um, compassion about the poverty, but about poor and suffering. If you looked up poor in the Bible, at blueletterbible.com, I just did that. I think it comes up over 150 times. So chances are you probably have some material to talk through, right? What if you started doing poverty education? And we say, hey, what if we started reading some books? What if we started looking at When Helping Hurts? Uh, we started looking at Disruptive Compassion, Hal Donaldson has written some books. Uh, another one is Beyond Charity by John Perkins. Diversifying your reading and thinking that's all listed in there. What if you did a serve project? You partnered with an existing agency. Now, sometimes I will just say, if you do decide to do a serve project in your city, the first people you should talk to is your city, your city leaders, right? Um, we did a thing when I was at a church in Peoria, Arizona. We did a, what was called getting out of the house. We took a Sunday morning, and we worked with the city of Peoria, and we did actually a block cleanup. We took a Sunday service, and we went out, cleaned up streets, did a, did a follow-up service in a city park that after that, right after that. But it was an intentional thing of getting out of the house. Since then, uh, there's been housing cleanup projects where um, people have said, we're going to focus on a house or a group of houses that who the city told us needs help. So it wasn't us determining who needed the help. It was contacting the local city. Who are some people who are, maybe they're elderly, maybe they're getting fines from the city, maybe they're, you know, they can't mow their lawn, maybe they can't keep things up. This is the, these are the people that we could begin to help. So those are some things, serve projects. The widows and orphans, um, how many of you have done some stuff with widows, orphans, foster care? I mean, yeah, that's a powerful thing, isn't it? So again, when you're looking at all these serve opportunities, there's so many options, aren't there, of opportunities to do. You can partner with community, know the city leaders, ask what they see the church assisting with. I'll tell a little story at the end of it. Uh, and move at the speed of relationship. We do have a thing, we have a saying, transformation happens at the speed of relationship. If we move at the speed of relationship, if we're building in relationship, there's a powerful thing that can happen. Then if you say, hey, you know what, maybe we lived in one of the, the more uh, not um, hurting areas and we actually have dollars, you can mobilize dollars. Um, go to a church in Springfield who last year, they uh, raised money in one Sunday to pay off a building of a church that was in the inner city, North Springfield. That, they didn't have to do that. They made the, they made the request because the pastor said, this, this Springfield needs this church. And they were faced with, and they had 30 days to raise about $700,000 to pay off their building. And if something was going on with the mortgage, something was, it was just, I don't know the details, but they were going to lose some pretty significant things. The pastor said, if we're just going to take up an offering. We're going to give the opportunity for our people across the campuses. The next Sunday, they awarded that check. That to me was like, wow. They mobilized dollars because they said, our city needs this church. Man, I wish all of our churches could do that, right? I wish all of our churches could say, we need each other. We need every church in this city. We need everybody. So you can mobilize your dollars. I love what somebody said, you could partner with a church in the city. That could be some of the most powerful alliances when you partner with churches that are outside of your area. My personal experience, when we did the Convoy of Hope in, Peor uh, in Phoenix, our church was in Peoria. We purposely went into Phoenix, about 20 miles from our church, because that's where the hurting areas were. 
did it at Grand Canyon University is shortly before they built their auditorium and uh, in that area it's right on Camelback and 31st 35th Avenue um, those are just some areas of need we could have done a community event in Phoenix for probably 10 weeks straight because there's just again you know there's certain areas you're gonna reach a certain group of people but the fact was we weren't looking for something in our community uh, to do that would benefit our church it would be uh, something that would benefit our city so let's talk about my plan this is where you get to write so what's your first step Right now, write down what is the easiest thing of some of these compassion options or other things you think about. What is the easiest thing that you could implement tomorrow? What is the easiest thing? And, don't, and you don't have to, you know, think vision. If I had this, it's like, no, what do you have in your hand right now? You know, when God told Moses, what do you have in your hand? It's a staff. Throw it down. Pick it up. Ran, you know, ran from it. What do you have in your hand that you can, what has God given you right now that you could do something with? Does anybody have a thought you want to share? Because again, if somebody says something, you feel free to steal it. I mean, hey, it works. We're all, we're all about sharing. Go ahead. Um, we have what we call Kingdom Builder Dollars and go to police and fire and see what their greatest needs are. Cool. That's awesome. Kingdom Builder Dollars. So look at where the needs are. What else? Get a couple beds and give away. What is it? Beds? A couple beds. Super. Cool. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool. Back here. Yep. We do something at our church uh, called GPS, Church of God Services, which mm. is called Matthew 25. Yep. So we partner with the agencies such as Lovey or Duran County Jobs and Family Services, stuff like that, for foster care, for the needs of feed the families. We've done COVID care, and we've done other things like that. There. So Excellent. Is that in your your facilities then? Yeah. Or, we, perfect. Uh, we, we partner with them. Mm-hmm. Perfect, perfect. Yes? Um, our church does a clothing, uh, we take a clothing drive, but we also have like, a clothing pantry in our church mm -hmm. that um, we have very low-income areas near us, but not in our area. And so we partner with the police department, the fire department, department and the school departments um, to give kids like clothes and shoes, and then sometimes we have people bring in like housing um, items and stuff like that. Cool. All right. Good. Is anybody stumped right now? Does anybody think that they don't have a spot? They don't have a step? That's awesome. No hands went up. Good. Super, super. Now, remember, I mean, the steps we take, we may get them wrong. But guess what? We can start again. So never let failure disqualify you from taking steps. We're all going to just find our way. But if you can share wealth of knowledge, share experiences, that always helps. So the first step is what's in your hand. Second step is who could we partner with? So, out of all of your churches, out of all of your organizations, how many of you feel like you have five strong partners in your community that you're partnering with? Okay, one, two, three. No shame here, four, five. How many of you feel like you have two strong partners that you are partnering with? Okay. How many of you feel like this is still kind of new, I need to build some partners? No shame with this. Okay, awesome, awesome. I think this is an ongoing opportunity, isn't it? For instance, are there, are there, you know, like a Habitat for Humanity? Is that in your community? Is there, are there communities, if you looked on the little 
Google Maps and you typed in nonprofits and you realize, oh, I didn't even realize that this was here. Is there a YMCA, Boys and Girls Club that, that or is there a school that is open to your partnership? So be thinking about who are the people that we can continue to build partnerships with. And then I would just encourage you being intentional about this. I'm just saying, okay, if we were to build a connection, um, I'll tell this story now. Michael Jackson, not the singer, a pastor in Janesville. Uh, for, for real, that's his name. So I'm like, well, I guess that's something. But I had a chance to talk with him in 2012 when I was up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, doing a tour of City on a Hill Ministries. And they were in Janesville. We went that night to Janesville. Um, they did a, a compassion passport experience where you got to experience making decisions as if you had little to no money. And it really was an eye-opening experience because you're like, wow, I'm kind of rabbit trailing here, but it's for a purpose. Um, it's where you're, you're, you're experiencing the, the, the struggles of trying to make ends meet, trying to make decisions when you have no resources. So that was part of that. But before that, I had a chance to, to just talk with Michael, Pastor Michael. And he told me the story of, when we were sitting in his office, he said, I was praying one day, right at that chair, on my knees, and I was praying that God would give me the keys of the city. And I was praying, Lord, I just pray that you give me the keys of the city. And God stopped me said, I want you to make appointments with superintendent, police chief, mayor's office, and a couple other city leaders that I, or city entities that I couldn't remember at the moment. And, I said, and he said, I want you to make an appointment with them, and I want you to ask them, what do you see? Two questions. Number one, what do you see as the biggest need in our community? Number two, and he's asking them this, how do you see the church helping address those needs? And then he said, the Lord told me, and then you be quiet. You ask those two questions, and then you be quiet, and you listen, and you hear. And so that was the thing that began to build partnerships and relationships that Pastor Michael did. So if you're going to approach a, a partnership or an agency in some way, I would encourage you, before a vision, before a talk, is to listen and ask some of these questions. You might be amazed. I mean, Pastor Al, he's, he told the story the, last night, just the opportunities that he had to work with the police chief uh, in Youngstown, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And police chief was saying, hey, you know, we can, we can work together, but we need you to get out of your building. Might be some eye-opening things, might be some humbling things, but guess what? If our pride hurts just a little for the cost of transforming a city, that's worth it, right? I mean, if we can know that God wants to use each one of us and God wants to build uh, collaboration and partnerships, we can do that. So that's the second thing. Who can you partner with? Then the third thing is the ongoing education or the ongoing investigation. Is what are some of the areas in my city that are, you know, that are needs? Maybe another question is, is the third question is, what continues to bug you? That may be the thing that God has given you a voice and an opportunity and an action step to address. What continues to bug you? It doesn't mean you have to have the answer for it, but what continues to bug you about an issue in your city, in your community? What are some things that just keep you up, keep you thinking about things, keeping you wondering, what if, what if? Those are the, that's the third step. And then the, finally, the fourth step is the longer term. This is where we start talking about as God brings us people, and as God continues to connect us with people, 
These are the assets he brings. So think about it. Who in our churches right now have professional expertise on certain things? I would almost say this longer term thing could almost be a first step in identifying what are the assets of your community. But as you can see, this is kind of a circle. It's a life cycle. It's a life cycle of things that you're looking at. So the, if you're looking at longer term, who in your churches and your groups already have gifts for the kingdom? And then being prepared for those who God does bring you. Heard it in the neighborly statement. I heard actually, I think God has spoken this through multiple pastors because I heard it from Tommy Barnett. It said, if you go after the people nobody wants, he will send you the people everybody wants. I think he said that to multiple, God is saying that in different ways because it's true. If we go after people that nobody wants, there's incredible potential in the poor and suffering. They just haven't realized it yet. But you already have assets in your, in your communities and in your churches that might be able to address some of those things. So those are some of those plans. Those are some of those thoughts. Um, anybody want to share what they think, you know, one of their collaborations, maybe a piece that kind of bugs you. I'm kind of opening up and, hey, if anybody has answers for any four of these, you want to share them. But seriously, I think there's, I think there's value in, uh, hey, this is where we're at. This is where we're going. Does anybody want to share that? I know we still have chicken on the brain, even if it's Jesus, Jesus chicken. It's, it's all good, but uh, I know this is a little, this is, this is some, it, it's not an instantaneous, hey, I got this answer, but if you're at one direction and you feel like you're going another direction, like, hey, I think this can help. Go ahead. Yes. So we came into the church two and a half years ago, and I had the unique experience coming into a community where no one knew me. So ah. I spent three months going around asking, hey, what about that church on the, on the outside of town, on the west side? And I got all those answers. They're dead. They're snake worshipers. Um, wow. Moral misconduct. They hate people there. There's no one new allowed to come there. All these answers went to a couple of city leaders and got very similar answers. Mm -hmm. They don't want anything to do with poor people. They don't want anything to do with hurting people. And they don't want anything to do with authority. And so um, I asked those questions and started trying to work on relationship. All humanitarian aid in our little city uh, goes through one place, the Conneaut Human Resource Center. I went in and met with the director, and he was very hesitant. But he, I said, can we just come allow? You're doing produce distribution once a month. Can we just come in and serve? We have now been there for two mm -hmm. years. Every volunteer that works there, every person that's on staff there knows our church, knows who's from our church. They've asked us to lead on multiple times to take charge when they were short-staffed. And we have this relationship. We're building. We're not there yet. But we're getting there, and it's these small steps of just trying to get in the community. Last year, we had a unique experience where people brought us uh, connected with pan uh, pantry food, and then we had people give us a bunch of pet food. So mm. we had a unique experience. We did pantry food and pet food. We had cars lined up out of nowhere, and it was just, it was a great thing. We have people call back now, multiple, hey, when are you doing that again? That was such a big help. How, how can we volunteer? How can we help? And so God's doing it in just weird ways. How long did you say again that took? Uh, years? Or, two, or Two years. Okay. All right. So you can see it's, there's, a, there's an element of grit that's needed for this, right? Connect tenacity, um, some consistency. Be able to handle, you know, the ups and downs of expectations and disappointments. But as God leads, you never know what, op what doors he opens. Who, who else has something else that would like to share? Go ahead. We're in a small town, 1,600 people. Um, when we came to the church nine years ago, um, 
Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, everybody in town would say, oh, you're the church on the other side of the tracks. Mm-hmm. And nobody wanted anything to do with our church. And li- a lot of times we would even ask people, say, you know, where we work, and they say, where's that? I've never heard of it. So nobody knew anything about the church. Um, so four years ago, my husband and our associate at that time started a archery program with two little boys. Uh, two years ago, we were accepted into the school. We have an after-school program with archery, and we're up to 47 kids. Hmm. That's amazing. It's relationships. Yeah. So we wanted to start like a backpack program. Yeah. The school told my husband, no, thank you. We don't need you. We take care of our own. Gotcha. Yeah. But archery gave you that in. Cool. Yeah. So now we take care of the teachers and the students. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, I thought you were raising your hand. You're just scratching your neck. Oh. Oh, there we go. All right. Yeah, yeah, I'll mention something. You know, you talked about two years. Uh, my wife and I and our team, we planted uh, in a small town, about 7,500, um, nine and a half years ago. And in our hearts, um, my heart, my wife, our team, we wanted to find a way to reach the kids in that community. We're flanked by um, a more needy parts of the community, but where we're at, like, they have everything they want and more, so it's really hard to drill down and find a need, so I've spent a lot of time trying to make, um, build relationships with people in the community, which I think our church has done a great job, but in our hearts initially was to reach a local elementary school, 500 Mm. kids attend a school um, for kindergarten through second grade. We've tried everything, door closed so many times. Also involved in a ministerial association in town, and it's pretty open and we have guest speakers come in you know quite often and one of them happened to be a school board member I was sharing with him our desire now this is you know all these years later of fighting with the schools and trying to get in and they just keep closing the door he said well I know that there's a high school program in place called supported peers started by a high school math teacher who is also the supervisor for the National Honor Society she has a special needs child she takes uh, these juniors and seniors, and they adopt a special needs child in the school system. Mm-hmm. Spends their free period with them, invites them to games. They do uh, outside of school functions with them. He put me in contact. The school board member put me in contact with this teacher. Now, for two years, we've supported them. They had no budget. We've done fundraisers, which, by the way, if anybody in this room knows how to do a fundraiser and actually at least break even, please let me know. Right, huh? We could have a whole other session on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we raise funds so they can keep that program going, and then they in turn have, uh, at our fundraisers, which is a community event, they send volunteers, about 20 or 30 high school kids with strong backs and quick minds to help serve the community as well. So we are developing this relationship that's now, I think we're on the cusp of, the door being open not just to one elementary in the community, but the entire school system. Hmm. It's amazing. But it is a very, yeah, it's a very long um, developmental period uh, in the culture and where we're placed anyway in that that little town. So I'm hearing a couple things. Obviously, the fruit of the spirit of patience needs to be a big part of our deal, doesn't it? So, yes. Cool. 
Cool. Yes, sir. So we just decided, you know, let's just give stuff away, jet mm-hmm. skis, things, and things like that. And 15 years ago, that all started with everybody in our church just bringing something that was good quality that we wouldn't mind receiving, and then it was word of mouth. Now, 15 years later, this has become a two-day event uh, where mm-hmm. we have to have online registration uh, and, and have to max it out mm-hmm. Wow. Which, you know, which is cool. mm-hmm. the, the challenge is following up on all those people because now, because it's been 15 years, we've got this reputation all over the area. Sure. So it's, it's even beyond our community. And, and we've gotten very comfortable with doing this, not to make our church bigger, mm-hmm. but, but just to make the kingdom bigger as much as we yeah. can and follow up as, as much as we can. But God's given so much favor with stores donating. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy how God will just, you mentioned the patience. Mm-hmm. I think it, when you stick to it and really just continue to learn and learn and evolve as the Lord leads you, God really blesses you. I think another thing he blesses is that you weren't looking to make your church bigger. Yeah. You weren't looking to use these outreach ideas as marketing ideas. Right. You were actually using them to build relationships and say, how can we continue to reach the community? And not people that call me their pastor that I only see them at the giveaway. Wow. Yeah. It's really, it's crazy. It's almost like we've got to become used to or accepting that God will use the Holy Spirit to influence us in ways we may never see because that will be the seeds that he continues to work through. We may see some of the, the harvest. And I grew up on a farm. We hope to see all of the harvest of the seeds we planted. But sometimes in some seasons, it didn't happen. We have to make sure that we're that way. Uh, that's some great stuff, great stuff right there. So one other thought, too, I thought about, just, just a thought came in my mind. If you're, if you're lacking funding of some things, I'm not gonna, I am not going don't have a fundraising idea, but what if that is the thing that God is asking you to begin looking for the assets in your community? I wonder if sometimes we try to fund the things that he's like, hey, there's already something in your community that might take you a different direction. Just a thought. You just never know because... You know, I mean, sometimes this, that's, that's the trajectory. God funds his vision, but sometimes I wonder if he says, hey, you've got some things right inside here that you can use. So go ahead. Yep. 
And if you use relief, rehabilitation, development as your focus, they're going to ask you, what's the outcome of this? Especially when you start getting businesses, if you're asking for funding, they may ask you some of these questions. So if you start adding, okay, these are the layers, these are the thoughts, you're going to have a, a better answer that they can buy into. So just be thinking about that. These are things, this, man, this, this work that we do, community engagement, people transformation, it just takes all of that, all of everything inside of us. But it also takes us thinking through, God, what have you given us wisdom to do? You know, how can we, can we best communicate to everybody? So great. Yeah, using businesses and, and all that stuff is good. So um, let's see here. What do we got? Is it 1.30? Well, we got 10 minutes left, don't we? All right. I'm going to just see here. My key objectives, um, this is in your packet. Again, mentioned that it was kind of a circle. I'm going to pop through here because there might be some questions that we might want to ask. These are the, some of your to-do things. Ask questions, know my city, some of these engagement ideas. Again, this is a repeat of what we talked about just now. There's a cycle of living, of community, uh, engagement, and so forth. So take action. We talked about this. What is, my first, what is my first step to engage my community? We talked a little bit about that, but maybe there's something else that you've just thought about that God's given you. What's my first step? What can I do in my, in my data, daily work, my 9 to 5, my 8 to 4, my 6 a.m. to 6 p.m.? I don't know what your hours are, but what's my first step? I had a pastor friend in Phoenix. Um, we had a church for, for many years, and he mentioned to me that he took time in his daily, I should say weekly schedule, about 10% of his weekly schedule was intentionally spent in networking. So the key thing for this is what intentional first step can I take to engage my community? We talked a little about what's the first thing I can do to implement a culture of compassion. What's my first step? I'm not going to ask you this because this is something that you can do. You might get it on your way home today. If you can't think of it right now, but I would think, hey, if you can get something right now, that's my first step that I can do. That'll be the thing. And then another action is who will I look to connect with? Those who mentioned, hey, I only have one or two agencies. Maybe your first step is let's do a mapping exercise. Let's look up Google. Let's tell, you know, let's see what, what's out there. Let's, let's talk to different churches. Maybe they know some things. So those are the two things that uh, we look to do. Um, I got nine minutes. So first of all, are there other questions that you might have that you, hey, nothing, I wanted to hear about what else was covered. If not, I'll just go through a little bit of bonus material. Yes. Do a, doing a backpack outreach? Well, I'll, I'll give you an example. One of our cities that we've worked with has had great success in doing a backpack outreach and great turnout. So that's one thing that is, is a great thing if you're looking for relief. I would say if you're only doing backpacks, think about what other organizations that you can incorporate. So for instance, backpack's gonna be related to school, right? So what thing could you use that might be a literacy program? Um, parents will probably come with their kids are there some things for job and career uh, um, opportunities that are available? I would just think, I would think about if I'm doing something that is relief-based backpacks, what other ways can I surround it with some of these community assets? How have you guys done that in the past? Have you just done backpacks? Or? Okay, yep. Yeah. 
well, funny you should ask, this here, block party, manual, we have a, a, in, the, in the link, you, yeah, in fact, you got some of these things, you got a little, um, hold on, let me get, pick this up. If you didn't get one of these, I put a couple on the chairs, um, you can take them and pass them down, but there's a QR code, and it is a guide for engaging communities. Pastor Alice put in our community engagement kit that we sent them. In that kit, it's a block party manual. As you can see here, you can go to that. That might give you some other ideas to say, hey, let's, let's get a, um, a haircut. Let's do family portraits. And again, the model is kind of what we use for our community events. You could use whatever is going to best fit your community in that way. So, Any other questions? I'm just going to leave this up here for you guys. You can take a look at some of that. Go ahead. Yep. Yeah, that's a good question. The question was, how do you bridge the, from here to presenting the gospel? I think number one is relationship. Because we know you can speak into someone's life as much as you have relationship for, right? You know, but I think, too, you've got to be intentional about offering prayer and offering the opportunity for prayer. We offer connections slash prayer tent at each one of our events. So our events that we do, community outreaches, community events, we have all these areas, right, for people to get a backpack, to people get a haircut, that sort of thing. But we, at the very end, we, we have pre-trained people who we said, your main goal is to listen to our guests when they're, when they're talking through the opportunity for prayer. So from that prayer, that could lead to a gospel conversation. Um, that's, that seems to be the best way. I think, you know, the typical outreach model is if you have a stage and you give a, and you give a something. I mean, you could say John 3.16. You may not have the response. You're just going to have a seed planted potentially. But if you equip people to pray with people in deep needs, that could be life-changing, you know. The thing will be is getting people to know, hey, these are some pretty deep things that you might be praying with and getting them prepared for. So I would suggest that because not only do you take it from one person giving a gospel presentation, now you take it to a room full of prayer people who have a gospel presentation that they can share through their story. So that's how I, what I suggest. Yes? One thing we did um, kind of in relationship to that is we had a prayer tent, but then we also incorporated some medical folks and we had a sign, you want to create blood pressure, you want to yep. create whatever. And when those people came, they had needs medically, but then we were able to pray with them as well. And so yeah. kind of, it was a little thing that opened the door like that hook. Yep. Yep. To get them come in and open up and then be able to hear a gospel message. Yeah. Hey, your blood pressure is pretty high. You want some prayer right now? <laughs> yeah? <laughs> right. All right. Well, great. I think we got five minutes left. There is another, uh, you probably got a little uh, feedback form. We're looking for feedback on these, on these um, presentations, so you don't have to sign a name, but if you have some feedback on three questions, if you didn't get one, ask if you can share your neighbors, because if your neighbor wrote something and you said, no, that doesn't work, this is, you know, no, but feel free. Um, if you could do that, that would be awesome. Um, again, we're just looking to see how better we can present this material, but also how valuable it is. Um, what else could be, could be a topic that we could share? Because our heart is to help turn the heart of the church towards the poor and suffering. Convoy of Hope, that's what our president has said, that Convoy of Hope exists to help turn the heart of the church towards the poor and suffering. But if we can do that through workshops, through um, meeting felt needs, um, this is something that you can help us, help us with that trajectory as well. So i just like to say a big thank you um, for being here. Um, 
you know, there's some, there's some opportunities that we have to reach the community that you may not know yet. God may be preparing you right now to do some things that you haven't seen yet. I know he's done that in my life. And I made a joke about just being a farm boy, being called to a city. I mean, there's places I'm like, I have no reason. There's no way I should even be in these places. But just because I'm willing and maybe crazy enough or stupid enough to believe. (laughs) But that's the thing God will do in your life too. And so I just speak a blessing over you as you continue to engage your community. I speak God's presence over you and wisdom. I pray that he would give you opportunities beyond measure to reach people that you never thought you could reach before and to build relationships with others you never thought would be possible. So we give God the glory through all of this. We give him the praise and we just honor him. So amen to that. If you can fill that out, great. We've got three minutes and then uh, we can hit the road. So any other questions, we'll be right around here, but thank you guys for being here and we'll open the door to get some air. God bless.